Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the Rusk Report program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Welcome to the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520. We have a great honor of having with us Major General Bo Dias. We tried to get him into Buffalo about a year and a half ago for the Buffalo Soldiers Project with West Point, but due to COVID, it was greatly postponed. But we're very happy to have him in Buffalo. He's going to address at the Buffalo Club the uh, National Guard, um, employers for the National Guard at a luncheon, and he's going to be presenting awards uh, for the luncheon in Buffalo, New York. To tell you a little bit about Major General Robert M. Bo Dias, Jr., he assumed duties as the Deputy Director Army Capabilities Integration Center in 2015. After graduating from Appomattox County High School in Virginia, he received an appointment to the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Upon graduating in 82, Major General Dias was commissioned as an infantry officer. During his 30 years of service, Major Dias held command and staff assignments including platoon leader, Battalion Adjutant, Rifle Company Commander, Headquarters Company Commander, Battalion Operations Officer, Deputy Division G3, and Brigade Executive Officer during assignments in the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, the 3rd Infantry Division, mechanized in both Germany and Fort Stewart, Georgia, and I could go on and on with this 36-year very distinguished career. I'd like to mention that Paul Lawless, whose son was a long snapper for the West Point Army football team, recommended him to come to Buffalo and we're honored to have him here. Let's talk about the training you went through in West Point, which is probably the premier military academy in the world. What was was it like, Major General Bo Dias? Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, very much appreciate the invitation to come here and uh, recognize the employer support to the Guard and Reserve, uh, such an important uh, action. And also pleased to uh, let you know that the Buffalo Soldier Monument uh, was dedicated at West Point uh, about a month ago. Uh, we always went down and played uh, intramural football on Buffalo Soldier Field, but now they have a a statue there to commemorate the service of, of the Buffalo Soldiers, uh, 9th and 10th Cavalry, 24th uh, 25th Infantry. Uh, West Point, I think, uh, 
you know, in my yearbook it said I came to West Point with uh, a lot of the attributes that it takes uh, West Point to develop uh, in cadets over four years. But I think it just reinforced uh, my way of thinking about uh, honesty and, and, uh, and dealing with other people. Uh, some of the things, uh, maybe the most important things you learn in life, you learn in first grade, kindergarten, Sunday school, uh, treat people like you want to be treated, uh, always tell the truth. And I think that just uh, for me, it reinforced uh, that in me at West Point. Uh, I think also early on, Brian, I thought and really appreciated and liked infantry amongst all of the branches uh, that were there. And that was uh, fortunately for me the choice that I made uh, on graduation and, uh, and followed that uh, infantry career uh, throughout uh, most of that, the 36 years. Wonderful. Now, you were also stationed in Panama. I've been to Panama. In fact, I saw the former home of the dictator Noriega, who was a, also a corrupt drug dealer. And uh, it was very impressive going to the canal. It's, it's an engineering marvel of the world. I was very impressed with that. And the people were seemed to have great love and respect for Americans. Uh, let's talk about what you saw in Panama Maybe you might want to reflect about the U.S. giving up control of the canal. Uh, there's a lot of criticism of Jimmy Carter that he gave away the canal as basically a strategic and military asset for the United States. So let's talk about Panama. Major General Bo Dias. Well, thanks uh, for the question, Brian. I was uh, first went to Panama. Uh, the uh, U.S. Army ran jungle school there. Uh, until the 90s, uh, but the first time I went to Panama was in the really the beginning of 1984 and uh, went through jungle school and as we were getting ready, ready to redeploy back to Fort Bragg, I went down with 82nd Airborne Division, uh, my battalion commander called me aside and said, how would you uh, feel about staying down here for another six months? And I said, well, I would really like to go back to, um, to Fort Bragg. And then said, okay, good, we'll go back to Bragg. So we jumped into Fort Bragg, and we met the commanding general on the drop zone there. And uh, I explained to him that we had great training at the jungle school, but uh, I had uh, been told down there that I was supposed to stay for six months. And he said, yeah, I, thought, I fought that uh, tasking for uh, several months. And he said, essentially, Adios, Lieutenant, we'll see you in seis meses. So uh, I uh, redeployed to Panama to the School of the Americas, uh, spoke a little bit of Spanish, and uh, was a platoon leader, tactical officer for a group of cadets that came from El Salvador while they're in the middle of their civil war. And we trained them uh, not only on tactics, but rule of law, and, uh, and were able to, I thought, imprint on them some of the ideals of uh, U.S. military. And then I went back after that six months back to Bragg, but redeployed to Panama to go through another stint in general school in 1985, uh, December. So that, that was my time in Panama, and I saw, to answer your other question or comment on it, I saw the decline of the maintenance of the Panama Canal. When the U.S. was no longer involved. Yeah, so we, we had already decided to uh, give the canal over in uh, phases, 
And so in 1984, when I first saw it, was uh, even different from when I saw it in, again in 1986. Uh, for example, the rail line between Cologne, which is on the, the north, the Atlantic side of the uh, Panama Canal, was running in 1984, but it was no longer running in 1986 uh, when I came down between there and Panama City. So militarily and economically, uh, it's questionable if it made any sense to give up the uh, control of the uh, Panama Canal from U.S. hands. Well, since then, Brian, they've uh, expanded the Panama Canal. When it cuts through the uh, essentially the Andean chain or the, the mountain chain that runs uh, through Panama, they expanded it. Uh, beyond what the U.S. did in 1914. So now they're mm-hmm. able to get uh, larger <coughs> and more throughput through there. Uh, the canal, the locks themselves are just a, you know, an engineering marvel. And uh, I was able to get into the inside of the Katoon locks while we were there in 84 uh, on a really a staff ride to see how uh, those locks operate in those huge doors that open and close the allow the water levels to change and to essentially get those ships up and down. And I was there in 1984 when the USS Missouri came through the Panama Canal for the last time uh, en route to Hawaii, which was a a fascinating and a great, uh, that was a great sight. Very good. For those who just tuned in to the Rusk Report, you're listening to the BET 1520 as we blanket 17 states and much of Canada, from Montreal to northern Florida to west of the Mississippi. Our guest today is Major General Bo Dias, who is in Buffalo to talk before a group of the employer support of the Guard and Reserves, uh, with Mo Nalon as chairman of this event, and uh, Major General Bo Dias will also be giving out awards. I'd like to thank our previous guests, Sheriff Tim Howard, who will be with the Major General at this awards luncheon. Ed Cox, former uh, chairman of the New York State Republican uh, Party and community leader Lenny Lane. Coming up, we'll have a a veteran of many years of Afghanistan and Iraq Iraq wars, Steve Sams. Joe Winters with the Family Business Center at Niagara University. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York... Washington, D.C., or Montreal, drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, the Bet 1520-500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European listeners. A little bit more information about Major General Bo Dias. He's a graduate of the Infantry Officer Basic and Advanced Courses, U.S. Army Command and General Staff College, Army Force Management Course, Air War College, and the Joint and Combined Warfighting School. Major General Bo Dias in Buffalo to address the employer support of the Guard and Reserves at their annual luncheon in Buffalo. Let's talk about Grenada. We had on this program a couple decades ago uh, Rear Admiral Robert Palmer McKenzie, who was a uh, a key leader for U.S. forces uh, with the Navy, with the Grenada invasion. You were involved with Operation Urgent Fury Grenada. Tell us what that experience was all about, Major General Bo Dias. 
Well, it was late October, um, and as you recall, that, that was about 10 days after the uh, Beirut uh, Marine Barracks bombing, in which we lost uh, over 240 uh, U.S. service members there. Uh, we were in the 82nd uh, training in the field. It was a Monday, and uh, you know we were going to jump into the local training uh, area and, and be out during the week training, just regular infantry training, airborne training. Uh, found out during the day on Monday that the uh, Air Force had pulled all the aircraft, which was not unusual, uh, maintenance or weather, etc. Uh, but we, the battalion commander, uh, announced that we're going to load onto trucks, we're going to go out to the drop zone, and we're going to jump uh, around midnight onto the drop zone and then move to our assembly areas and we start our normal training like we were, had already planned. Uh, we went out on trucks, we got out on the drop zone, we moved to our assembly areas, and then over the radio we heard report to the road. Uh, there were two possibilities. One, that we had messed it up so bad in training that we were going to do it again, which was the most probable, and the other possibility is that we were going to go somewhere. Um, most people thought perhaps uh, uh, Middle East. Um, we got to the road and they put us on trucks and they took us back to the barracks where we were locked in and then in the morning we saw uh, President Reagan come on TV and said that the Rangers had jumped into Grenada that morning followed by uh, airland from uh, portions of the 82nd Airborne Division. The next morning we were on the ground. I was the first airplane load in with my the brigade commander, the battalion commander, my company commander and my platoon of uh, 41 soldiers. Um, and then as soon as we got off the aircraft, uh, Navy planes were essentially strafing the end of the runway from my perspective and I was just thinking, what's everybody been doing here for a whole day? And, uh, and that's how Grenada started for me. We were there for about uh, 30 days and then uh, we were back in uh, Fort Bragg. It was really started because uh, there was a coup in Grenada. The president was uh, assassinated. Uh, there was a socialist government came to power and if you look at uh, related to the last questions about the Panama Canal if uh, there were two ways to get to the Panama Canal on the ring of through the rings of islands that are there uh, you can go by Cuba or you can go down uh, on the lower end uh, which that's where Grenada was located and the Soviets had just helped the Cubans build a large airport that they claimed was for uh, tourism, uh, it would have been able to station uh, large bombers out of there which would have been able to essentially control entries into the Panama Canal and, and uh, Caribbean. Uh, I don't know if that was the reason, uh, that was a, one of the extenuating reasons that we went, but we certainly rescued uh, American students that were there in uh, medical school and I met uh, many of them uh, and evacuated them while we were there. Very good. It was a heroic effort and uh, Margaret Thatcher I believe got a lot of international acclaim. It probably was perhaps an unpopular effort when she began but I think it was one of the hallmarks of her leadership as uh, Prime Minister of, of, of Britain. Um, Let's uh, talk a little bit about your very important part of your career, and now it's in the headlines for 
uh, the last year with now the recent withdrawal from Afghanistan, a lot of complaints the way that was done, but you were active with Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. Let's look back at the last 20 years. Uh, I think most people think that the U.S. did a very noble and proper job in trying to help the Afghan people achieve freedom. I think the complaint was the abrupt withdrawal and that the military did not leave last, they went first, and a lot of criticism of the current administration about that. In fact, at the day of this uh, taping, Robert Gates, a former defense secretary, was extremely critical of the withdrawal of Afghanistan. Let's look upon your experience there, the hardship you went through um, with the U.S. military in Afghanistan, and then later the withdrawal, Major General Bo Dias. Well, uh, my my view is that uh, the uh, all of the servicemen and women that uh, served in Afghanistan, uh, there is no reason to hang your head and uh, hold your head up uh, for the service that uh, we provided, including myself, uh, there in Afghanistan. I was there for a year from July of 08 to July of 09. Uh, and my feeling is that we provided the Afghan people with 20 years of freedom from the Taliban. Uh, I'll, I, Brian, I will leave it to others to discuss the uh, the consequences of the, the pullout. I, I know that I have gotten my interpreter and his family out of Afghanistan in the 2015 time frame. He is now a US, U.S. citizen living in California, has graduated with a degree uh, from, one, from the University of California system out there. Uh, but his brother, who also worked for the U.S. military and driving a fuel truck uh, to Bagram Air Base, uh, is still in Afghanistan with his family. And we are trying to do what we can. And uh, I've written a letter to State Department uh, to try to get his SIV, the Special Immigration Visa, uh, approved so that he could uh, redeploy out of there. And we were working really hard when... Uh, when Kabul was under uh, pressure and Kabul fell, and then the, uh, all of the chaos around the airport, his brother and family members were all there uh, at the gate trying to get out. And uh, we are still working to, the one piece that we do not have is a letter from a U.S. employer uh, who was directly responsible for his employment. And we are still working on either trying to find that person to write him a letter for his SIV, or uh, uh, provide uh, all of the information to the State Department to, to try to get him um, out of Afghanistan. And there is still a trickle of people that are, are leaving out of there. So it is an effort um, that we're working on very hard right now. Well, we thank you for your service uh, for uh, the U.S. Army, 36 years of service and serving in Afghanistan. Our guest, Major General Robert M. Bo Dias, Jr., who is in Buffalo, New York, to be the keynote speaker at the Employer Support of the Guard and Reserve with the Chairman Mo Nalon. And we thank you for coming to our city of good neighbors. Uh, if you're listening in Toronto, South Buffalo, or Northern Florida, drop us a note to Brian Rusk at the Bet, 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14. A little bit more information about Major General Bo Dias. 
His military decorations include Distinguished Service Medal, two Legion of Merits, two Bronze Stars, the Defense Meritorious Service Medal, five Meritorious Service Medals, two Army Commendation Medals, two Army Superior Unit Awards, the Combat Infantry Men's Badge, the Ranger Tab, and the Senior Parachutist Badge, a great patriot who served our country 36 years, Major General Bo Dias. You have mentioned that we gave uh, freedom to the people in Afghanistan for 20 years. Does it sadden you now that we're not there to protect the Afghan population and that the Taliban may be brutal and cruel uh, to the Afghanistan people? Let's reflect on that. Major General Bo Dias. Well, one thing that uh, part of my job was to grow the Afghan National Security Forces so that they could take uh, charge of their own security and protect the Afghan people. And, uh, I I do feel for the Afghan people uh, now living under the Taliban. It's to be seen uh, how the Taliban... I'm not sure in my own mind that the Taliban is exactly the same as the Taliban that was there that uh, uh, when the Soviets uh, withdrew... Um, but I think it's to be seen uh, as how they're going to be now governing. Uh, they have been against uh, really other countries being in Afghanistan this whole time, and I think it's to be seen how they're going to now govern uh, in Afghanistan. There are exa examples or news reports of cruel uh, activity uh, and, uh, and murder uh, which has been going on for some time, and so uh, there are. Afghanistan is remote in many places. I mean, Kabul is a uh, is a city. Uh, Helmand, uh, Kandahar, uh, Jalalabad, uh, Mazar Sharif, Kanduz, they're they're all cities, but there are so many places in Afghanistan that are just remote, and. Uh, and there are, uh, there are examples or reports of uh, bad activity that is occurring there. So I do feel for the Afghan people, but I do feel we provided them with the wherewithal to protect themselves over that 20-year period. A major criticism was of the military leaving before the civilians and U.S. citizens who were still left there, that later we brought in all of the large uh, jet transport to remove these people from Afghanistan. Um, isn't it usually the process that the military leaves last and not first? Isn't this backwards? Well, I think that the, they quickly realized, the U.S. government quickly realized that and the military advisors. We put about 2,500 troops back into the airport to secure the airport and, um, and they were the ones uh, that were there. Now, we, as far as I know from news reports, we were trying as hard as we could as a government to evacuate all the American citizens uh, and the ones who wanted to leave uh, had left. Uh, and then the military, the last guy on the plane, uh, I believe, was uh, Major General C.D. Donahue. Uh, Donahue um, uh, was the last military uh, guy to get on an aircraft. Okay, now let's talk about Bagram uh, Air Base. Uh, it's a strategic location between Iraq and China, um, well-fortified, big base. 
Um, a lot of criticism has been, why would we ever give such a treasure uh, to the enemy, to the Taliban? Um, where's the logic in not keeping that base as a strategic military outpost? Well, I thought it would have been an asset uh, as well to utilize Bagram. That Bagram is where I went into. It was the, the place that could handle uh, large aircraft. I, I flew in and out of there probably four times um, in in a year, and uh, it was uh, could have been well defended. Um, I have to leave it to history, Brian, to determine why uh, we gave up Bagram, and, and uh, I think the assumption was that Kabul uh, would remain in uh, Afghan national security hands uh, to uh, facilitate any evacuations because all the other places that U.S. had forces uh, have pretty much been uh, closed down and already evacuated and so they're evacuating back towards Kabul. The speed at which Kabul fell I think was a surprise to many to include the, the military advisors. Um, Major General, you ex expressed a little shock and dismay that the uh, Afghanistan people uh, did not fight the Taliban uh, takeover. The, it seems that they didn't have uh, courage or strength to do this. Um, let's talk a little bit about your personal feelings. Uh, you seem a little let down that the Afghanistan people, after 20 years of U.S. support, did not want to fight for their land. Yes, and uh, that was a big surprise, I think, that uh, the Afghan forces actually had the numbers, they had the equipment, they had the training. Uh, they did not, I think that the Taliban targeted the Afghan uh, Air Force, which uh, we had uh, provided both equipment and training for uh, in order for them to have air support. I think that was uh, part of it. And I think uh, also that they were probably disillusioned and disheartened uh, by all the Taliban attacks that had been occurring in the year or two prior to that against the judicial, against the, uh, uh, the Afghan police forces um, uh, that they saw that the uh, support and, uh, of critical things like uh, medevac uh, by helicopter and close air support uh, evaporating and that uh, the Taliban targeted their our own forces that were doing that, and so I think they were disheartened to the point where once the Taliban was on a roll, um, they just lost heart. I was pretty shocked. Yes, it was shocking uh, to me. I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. Uh, we'd like to thank Paul Lawless of Boca Raton, Florida, whose son was a, a long snapper for the West Point um, uh, Army football team for three years. Yes, yes, go Army, and special thanks to our Director of Production of 15 Years, Kevin Carr, and we thank you for enlightening us, and we salute your distinguished military career of protecting America and our interests. Our guest today, Major General Bo Dias on the Rusk Report on the BET 1520. Thank you for being with us. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226.
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.